Welcome to Faith and Freedom Fighters. I'm Robert Muse, co-founder and senior counsel of the American Freedom Law Center. And I'm joined by my fellow co-founder, senior counsel and freedom fighter, David Yerushami. Well, it looks like our last podcast was April 7th. Uh, it's been a long time between drinks, as they say, but it's uh, it's not because we've not had much to talk about. <laughs> Goodness knows there is too much to talk about. The bottom line is that we prefer doing over talking. And as we've said many times uh, during these podcasts, our primary focus is litigation and not podcasts. So litigation will always take priority. And just to give you a brief summary of uh, what we've been uh, up to, we've been busy defending Navy SEALs, four of them, against the ludicrous vaccine mandate by this uh, Biden administration. And really, this this mandate, in, in my view, um, is really a, a ploy to rid the military of true warfighters who love this country and who will not just roll over to the Biden administration's, you know, woke progressive agenda. And in many ways, it's almost testing. Okay, who's who's willing to stand up against, uh, you know, this absurd policy? We'll see who those who are milk toast and those who actually have a backbone, and those with a backbone, we need to get rid of them because they don't fit our agenda. We've also um, litigating our exceedingly important case against Twitter and the Biden administration uh, for siling speech, uh, particularly speech that does not promote the uh, the agenda of this administration, one of the many dangerous things that this administration is doing. Uh, we're litigating our case against uh, the Attorney General Merrick Garland for his attack on the Loudoun County parents. Um, Attorney General Garland is and has and continues to show his true stripes. And, uh, and that certainly is going to come in clear when we're going to talk about one of the main issues uh, of the day, and that is that FBI raid on uh, President Trump's home. Um, we also have many ongoing lawsuits challenging the various COVID-19 pol uh, policies that were instituted by leftist tyrannical governors in New York, Pennsylvania, and here in Michigan. We're not going to let those cases just end. We're going to keep fighting that nonsense so it doesn't become the new norm. So even though the COVID appears to be in our rearview mirror, although it's, you know, continues to rear its ugly head every now and then, um, but we're not going to allow these, uh, you know, these actions by these tyrannical governors to just be forgotten and let go. So we're, we're pursuing, vigorously pursuing the, uh, our litigation, a continuing ongoing litigation against uh, those policies that they put in place. And, uh, and I really hate to say this, but I, but I think it's, uh, it's true. You know, we now live in a police state run by progressive tyrants. We are, in effect, a banana republic. It, quite frankly, right now, it feels more like we're living in China, Russia, Cuba, Venezuela, or even Ukraine. Yes, Ukraine, where uh, political opponents are silenced. Um, it doesn't feel like the good old USA that I grew up in, that I love that I defended as a U.S. Marine for 13 years, that my dad defended as a Marine, and my two other brothers defended as, as Marines. I almost don't recognize this country anymore. We have a, uh, a new leftist Supreme Court justice who was selected because she was a black woman. And yet, during her confirmation hearing, she testifies that she doesn't know what a woman is. I mean, it's 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 almost mind-boggling the the nonsense that that's coming out of their their mouths. But it's more than just nonsense. It's it's really it's evil. And we have all of these climate change worshippers flying around on private private jets and living in mansions, you know, telling us that we shouldn't be using our AC in our homes and that we should somehow, you know, 
uh, cobble together $60,000 so we can go buy our own electric cars. It's unbelievable. You know, I heard a, uh, a term for these, uh, you know, these climate change people that, that fits for them. Um, I've heard them called uh, watermelons. And why are they watermelons? Because they're green on the outside, but inside they're, they're red communists. That's what these people are. They just want to control your lives. And they're such hypocrites in what they do. And we all know this. You know, and these, uh, these watermelons are similar to those wackos who promote the deviant transgender agenda. You know, there's a common denominator I think for, for all these people, they hate the creator. They hate God. These people are demonic. And, you know, I've said before in this podcast, you know, Satan is real and he resides in the left-wing progressive Democratic Party. Indeed, as we've uh, witnessing, you know, over these last couple of days, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, they should change their initials to the KGB. Really, they're no different. They've, they've become now in uh, political enforcers. This latest raid by the FBI on Trump's home has sealed it. You know, what a sad, sad day in American politics. Um, you know, and one of the things, so do you think that President Trump actually packed his office? Would anybody be surprised if the, uh, the FBI didn't plant evidence? Um, you know, they wouldn't even allow the attorneys to observe what was going on during the FBI raid. What is that all about? What is that all about? They have no business doing that. You know, all I can say right now is that the gloves are off. You know, we're fighting for the survival of a free nation. Ronald Reagan, you know, famously reminded us that our freedoms are not handed down to us through the bloodstream. They must be fought for and protected, lest we are one generation away from their extinction. Well, we're there. And if we're not exactly there right now, we're certainly on the precipice. And if anyone listening to this is not politically active, you better start becoming politically active if you love this country. You know, what are the simple things you can do? Number one, you need to vote. If anybody's listening to this podcast is not registered to vote or have family members that are not registered to vote, you need to, uh, you know, wake them up and tell them they need to do that. You need to contact your elected officials. Let them know there's this nonsense that's going on in Washington, D.C. This raid on a former president's home is just, that's not the, that's not the United States and it's going to stop. Show up at school board meetings. Run for local offices. Assist at the polls. Right for these upcoming elections. So we don't have this nonsense that went on during the, uh, the 2020 election. Do we actually have poll watchers there who can observe and report and, uh, you know, and notify, notify attorneys about what's going on if we need to get more litigation going over uh, for these, uh, these elections? You know, be vocal on social media. You know, stop shopping at these woke companies. You know, and let them know it. Let them know I'm not shopping at your store anymore because you're buying into this woke nonsense. You know, peacefully, peacefully protest outside of government offices. That is, exercise your First Amendment rights. You know, stop being the silent majority. Be an agent for a change of freedom. Be a reason why tyranny will not prevail in this great nation. We need to do it now and not tomorrow. Because where we are right now is, is a really sad state of affairs, and it's going to take a, a, a new awakening by the American conservatives, and, and we need to do it now. So that's my opening riff, David. Uh, welcome to the uh, welcome to the show. I'll let you get in a more than one word, Edgewise. I'll let you get in many words, but I'll turn it over to you, uh, my friend. Well, you've certainly packed a lot there, and and everything you've said is is spot on. Um, even even one could say that it's um, it's tampered down because as we've said back um, now for several years. 
but certainly today it's evident that um, you indicated, you know, the gloves are off. But the fact is, is that we are engaged in this country in a non-kinetic civil war, meaning uh, we don't have outright um, physical battles taking place, although we can certainly see them. We saw them in the Black Lives Matter. You even see it in the January 6th with people that did get violent. But we are clearly across the board at a political level, at a cultural level, at a level of what we could call ideology um, or theory in an absolute war. And it's not a war of ideas. It's a war for the existential existence, the existence of this of this country. So um, there's so much to be said about how the left, the progressives um, approach reality by denying reality and then everything goes. But I'm not going to go there today. I want to talk about the practical things. So let's take, for example, what's on everyone's lips today, and that is the FBI raid on President Trump's Florida residence. The ostensible reason for the raid, based upon what we know about the search warrant, no one's actually seen it because it's under seal, is that President Trump took documents from the White House in boxes, has returned many of them, but apparently the National Archives folks believe there's still other documents, and that that presumably might violate the um, federal law that requires presidents and executive branch to preserve the documents and put them in the archives, um, and they're kept as it were, under wraps, under seal for a certain number of years, if they're sensitive and what have you. Um, it could also presumably, as was what we're being told, violate um, the classification laws. That is to say, if apparently some of the boxes were ma marked top secret. Um, but I dismiss that because the president, on his own, at a moment's notice, without even telling anyone, as far as I know, can simply declassify something. And he could have done that um, prior to January 20th when Biden was inaugurated while he was still a president and taken those boxes. So the only real law that we're dealing with here is the one of preserving the papers. Serious enough law because it could be a felony. But here's the problem. An unprecedented, it's never occurred in the history of the United States. Now, you all have to keep in mind that in the early days of this union, the presidents, their vice presidents, the, 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 the various secretaries of the cabinets, these people went at each other with viciousness because the, we, we hadn't really consolidated what it was that the Constitution meant, what were the boundaries what were the powers of the Supreme Court? What were the powers of the legislature? You know, there was a lot of good theory there, the separation of powers, et cetera, et cetera. But it was still being worked out in real time. And if you go back and look at some of the, the case law, go back and look at the archives of the newspaper articles, 
it was vicious and people accused of treason because remember there were there were a lot of folks in the government who still had an incredible association with the British Empire which we had revolted against so there were there were arguments of treason etc so understand that that this is the first time that the Department of Justice and the FBI, which didn't exist back in those days, have raided a former president's home who might be running for office and who clearly the Democrats don't want to run for office. So executing a search warrant is unprecedented. On the basis of the president taking some documents out that might belong in the archives, and they were negotiating what was going to be returned, how it was going to be examined, etc. But look and compare what they're doing today to understand this non-kinetic civil war with what happened with Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton, who had been the Secretary of State, had utilized a private server which violates not just the executive papers, preserving the papers of the executive branch, not just the president's, that's a separate act, but all government papers, and violated the classification laws because she was receiving top secret communications back and forth, including from President Obama, who said publicly that he had no idea that um, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton had used a private server until it was reported in the newspaper. Yet we know that he had email communications back and forth on government business, classified government business to be sure. And her email was her private email server, not her government Secretary of State email address. What happened? The president goes on live TV while they're supposedly investigating all of this and says he doesn't believe there should be criminal charges. In other words, he imposes his will on an ongoing criminal investigation. They don't get the server. Hillary Clinton literally bleaches, doesn't just hit the delete button on all her emails. She uses a special application that bleaches, that shreds, as it were, emails. So they can't be extracted through a forensic audit of her hard server. They're gone. She does all that. While they're under subpoena. While they're under subpoena, while they're they're under investigation. So we have not just the use of a private server, not just the violation of the classification laws, we have a clear violation of obstruction of justice, a clear violation. Comey, the head of the FBI, having heard Obama's speech, there shouldn't be any criminal charges here. And why shouldn't there be? She didn't mean to harm. She didn't mean to commit treason. She didn't mean to harm our national security. By the way, that's not an element of any of those crimes. It's not an element of any one of those crimes. She knew what she was doing. She did it. She's guilty. Now, Comey, having heard that, what does he do? He starts drafting this long 
speech about why he's not going to prosecute her. Long before the investigation over, they haven't had her sit down for an interview yet. When they find, by the, they don't get the server. When they finally sit her down for an interview, who gets to sit in with her and manipulate this interview, which was very soft-handed? Uh, Miss Rice and others, attorneys, who were not acting as her attorney at the time, they were acting as her advisors, meaning political advisors. They were part and parcel of the entire scheme about communicating on servers, about deleting servers, and they allowed participants to sit in on the basis of, she's my attorney. That's unheard of. With all of this, and then what happens? They, she's running for president. They know, and the, and the Obama administration wants her to be president. So at the same time that we have Russiagate, the whole Steele dossier and collusion being formulated by the Obama administration and the Hillary Clinton campaign, at this point in time, Comey knows he can't just not charge her. And by the way, it's not the FBI's business to make that decision. It's the FBI's business to turn over the evidence to the Department of Justice. But who was running the Department of Justice? The acting <laughs> Attorney General Loretta Lynch, the same one who met on the tarmac with Bill Clinton during all this time when they're deciding whether they're going to charge Hillary Clinton for a secret conversation. And of course, there's no way in the world that Loretta Lynch is going to charge Hillary. She's expecting to be at least the attorney general, the formal pointed, confirmed attorney general when Hillary Clinton is president, which everyone thought she would be. Comey knows he can't just kind of dismiss it. And Lynch doesn't want to be obviously a political player and not charge her. So they send Comey up for a press release that says, there's no question she did all these evil things, but gee, it wasn't so bad. And we're not going to charge her. They executed no search warrants. They called no grand juries. They had her in for one soft-handed interview with the players involved in this, pretending like they were lawyers so they could craft the narrative. So you have all of this going on. And keep in mind, Congress at the same time, in addition to all this, had sought to have Clinton preserve those documents. And at the same time, she's deleting them. So you have an obstruction of a congressional investigation as well. Did the FBI engage in any of the behavior that they did with, with Donald Trump, which has nothing to do with criminal behavior, presumably? So what we're told is really, guys, come on. And we're told this by one of our good friend, Andy McCarthy, a former U.S. attorney, important U.S. attorney who prosecuted the blind shake with the first World Trade Center bombing. I mean, he's a sharp guy. So what does he tell us? Well, we prosecutors, if we know there might be evidence of a crime, a serious crime, i.e., he's referring now to Trump's involvement in the January 6th rioting, we all know what his involvement was or wasn't, but they're hoping to maybe find some smoking gun that they don't know exists. 
So they have zero probable cause for a search warrant to go into Donald Trump's private residence to look for evidence that he somehow knew violence was going to happen and his intent was to incite violence, because that's what they have to try to find. So, or some other charge regarding um, impeding, you know, the, the election count, you know, the certification by Pence. Who knows what that was? But they had no probable cause for that. So what they did was they manufactured this probable cause over, well, he took presidential papers and maybe classified papers. The classified papers is a red herring, as I mentioned before. A president can declassify on the fly in his own mind. There's no process he must abide by. There are executive orders, but those are executive orders by prior presidents, which he need not abide by, or even by his own, which he can again change without formalizing them. So it's just taking papers that were going to go to the National Archives and remain under seal for any number of years. And he was negotiating that. So they they go in and they go to a magistrate with this probable cause on these presidential papers. But it can't be that's what they're looking for, precisely because what we see with Clinton. So what are they really doing? They're using probable cause for one crime, tells it, Andy McCarthy tells us, to really search for evidence of another crime. Now, I want to know how that's legal. I want to know how that's proper, because that's simply an abuse of process. That's that's exactly the definition of an abuse of process. When you use a legal process for one purpose, which is legal, but really utilizing for a separate purpose, which would be illegal if they had done it or not permitted. That is what let, we let call me, abuse of process. Yeah, not, not just abuse of process. It's also a violation of the Fourth Amendment, right? Because you you have to have a search warrant and that warrant has to spell out with particularity right. the items to be seized and the location for them. And they knew before going in precisely what documents precisely they were, right? The National Archives knew what they what these documents were. And they actually knew the location because Trump had shown them these the doc they were in the process of negotiating to get the documents transferred he even bought these special locks to lock the documents up to keep them you know safe which by the way compare that to hillary clinton server right you you can't hack a uh you know a utility room or a or a safe in a person's home i mean you can physically break into it but those emails that were on that unsecured server those classified secret top secret likely documents that the secretary of state Remember, Secretary of State, she has no authority to declassify in those documents. Only President does on her server was actual a national security risk. You wonder how much, how many national security secrets or even people's lives, you know, people who might be operating overseas undercover or, or working for a CIA or something. State Department is heavily involved in that, that the Chinese, Russians, somebody could have hacked those servers, have that information and actually cost lives. So even to compare the server to these documents is, I mean, it, the comparison is 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 so far, you know, more dangerous and 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 uh, and lethal and problematic for the server than anything Trump did with taking physical documents and securing them in his own home. I mean, and the, keep the in mind, is crazy, right? And keep in mind, Rob, that the um, 
government actually did determine that there was evidence that a foreign source did in fact hack Hillary Clinton's server. We don't know what they got because she deleted and bleached everything. But the reality is it was hacked. And it doesn't it doesn't end there, people. You can you have to juxtapose. That is to say, put one thing against another to understand what's going on and what this non-kinetic war is all about. An unprecedented move on a former president who's likely to announce his candidacy any moment that the present administration and the Democratic Party will do almost anything to prevent. And we see that with the whole January 6th committee hearings and this circus that's going on. What else takes place? Former FBI director James Comey, when he's in these so-called meetings with Trump and he's lying to President Trump, President Trump's asking him, is his FBI director, you know, is the FBI investigating me or is the FBI investigating my campaign? What's going on? What are you guys doing? And his answer to him was no. Well, during these conversations, Comey was apparently taking notes and or immediately after he left these meetings, he was taking what we call in the law contemporaneous notes to memorialize the meetings. And why are they called contemporaneous? Because if you take notes, a diary, as it were, of something that's taking place then or immediately thereafter, they have a much higher level of credibility because your memory is fresh and it was supposed to be, as it were, spontaneous, as opposed to something that you write up simply because you've sued someone or you're being charged with a crime or whatever. He takes, he makes those memos, actually goes through several edits of them, <laughs> and he takes them with him when he leaves the FBI a violation of the very law or similar law that they're trying to claim President Trump did. And by the way, these conversations are classified at some level because they're the confidential conversations between the FBI director and his boss about ongoing FBI investigations. Then what does Comey do? He doesn't preserve them in a safe like Trump did and negotiate their return. He leaks them to the media because he wants a special counsel appointed. Once President Trump was elected, they weren't able to destroy his campaign with the whole Steele dossier thing. So in order to destroy his presidency, to have an ongoing special counsel, he leaks them. And then the media and the political pressure of the Democrats pushes the weak need attorney general, and I forgot who it was at the time. You, you might remember uh, the guy from the South. What was his name? Jeff Sessions. Yeah. Jeff Sessions. Appoint the special prosecutor, Robert Mueller. And then we have this ongoing attack on President Trump's presidency. In addition to all the Democrats calling him illegitimate throughout this time. And then, of course, pointing the finger at Trump, who talked about Biden's illegitimate election. So you have that in context, and yet nothing is done. Now, let's now talk about the Hunter Biden affair. And before we get to the other, just briefly, because going back in time, Eric Holder, right, held in contempt of Congress. Did anybody give him the perp walk? 
show up, put, uh, you know, chains on him or prosecute him like they've done for all these, you know, individuals who are who are objecting to uh, this January 6th committee who are relying on, uh, you know, the the uh, executive privilege to not want to turn over documents. And so we, you know, we've been seeing these trials going on, these prosecutions. Well, Eric Holder was, did anybody hold Eric Holder accountable for being held in contempt of Congress, a crime? No. I mean, it's a, the, the double standard, you know, Hunter Biden is another one on steroids. Right. So you have, you have Hunter Biden's computer. The FBI has it. They sit on it for over a year. They work, according to the whistleblowers, they work to downplay it as a legitimate source of any information, as if, remember, all of these intelligence, former intelligence chiefs and officers, Brennan, Clapper, the, the, the whole Obama and, and, and their friends crowds sends out a letter that says, you know, based upon our great many years of experience, this is really just a, a Russian, um, what's the term of art? Disinformation. They disinformation. Yeah. Uh, ploy. And, uh, you know, we don't we don't know it because, of course, we haven't seen the computer, but but this is what it is. And then that speculative pre-cooked letter then is hammered on by the media and everyone then has cover to dismiss it. And no one in the mainstream media covers the story. No one. So and they do worse. They block it. They right. prevent it from being spread. Twitter took it down. All this right. social media. Right. They did all the stuff that we know Twitter does and why we're suing them and the Biden administration. And that's why the work we do is so critical. And I would argue why we didn't do this podcast for several months, because between the two of us, we're busy trying to get at this monster. Now, not only that, the FBI is literally covering it up. They put the computer and all the evidence in a secret file that regular investigators can't get to. It's at some kind of level of, of, of secrecy, even within the FBI. So, and what's on the computer? Not just that Hunter Biden evaded taxes, not just that he engaged in um, foreign corrupt acts, not that he was an agent of foreign powers and didn't register as such. Not that he, things that Michael Flynn, for example, was prosecuted for. N not all of that. We know that in those emails, President Biden was referenced as the big guy to receive salary and benefits because of what Hunter Biden was doing. Not just that Hunter Biden received the money and, of course, supported his daddy, but actually was receiving benefits from these corrupt deals that Hunter Biden was engaged in and providing access to foreign powers through Biden when he was the vice president. And Biden tells us during the campaign and other times, I have no idea what my son was doing. We never talked about business. When we have an email from him, when I think it was the New York Times was putting out an article about all of this Hunter Biden stuff or something else, and they they simply were downplaying everything. And Biden... I, it was either New York Times or the Washington Post. I don't recall. But Biden sends his sons an email and says, looks like we, we got away with it. I mean, effectively, that was what he we're said. We're in the clear, I think was the We're in the clear. Yeah. Right? So 
Now you tell me that those aren't predicates for criminal investigation. Yeah, I think it was actually a recorded voice message. It was his ah, voice. I yeah, that's it was right. a recorded voice message. Right. It said, "Hey, son, I saw the story, but I we're in the clear or something." You're in the clear, and so you 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 have clear predicates and certainly probable cause for massive espionage related corruption by Hunter Biden and the involvement of the presidential candidate buried during the election campaign and then buried afterward to this day, because now what are they talking about? Well, Hunter Biden might have some real issues on tax fraud issues. Of course he does. He didn't pay his taxes, but he's all of a sudden paid his taxes. And then you want to know where did he get the money to pay those taxes? He has no visible means of what he's selling art. He's never been an art, but he's selling art for hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, come on, people. This is the juxtaposition. Now, there's another. By the way, much of this can be found in a very good article by a guy that I tend to think is a bit of a flamethrower. And I don't often read his material. He's an attorney, but he's never really practiced law to speak of. Um, he's mostly been in media. Greg Jarrett, who's a conservative commentator for Fox News, but he's written a very good piece that lays this out. And the piece is called FBI Raid of Trump Home Shows That Equal Justice is a Farce. But it's beyond that, people. It's not just that equal justice is a farce. We are in a non-kinetic civil war. And that means that you're very freedoms. And I would argue even your very existence is at risk at this point. Now, this leads us, though, to a second article that I saw on Vanity Fair this morning. But it's it's being mirrored now by the Democratic machinery in the mainstream media, because I saw and just add that point. I mean, the, the the Democratic machinery, mainstream media is the propaganda wing of this leftist progressive movement make no mistake about it i mean right. they and, and, they are and, very much in in bed and on board with all this dis- destruction that's that uh the the progressive left is imposing upon this country they are they are right in it with them right and we'll have a separate podcast on this i hope in the future but the real beginning of the politicization and weaponization of the fbi and the department of justice for the progressives who were sitting in the executive branch during the Obama administration was under Eric Holder. And I would argue that the real evil doer in the Obama administration who started this process with real earnest was Eric Holder. Obama was almost a minor player. The real power behind this move has been Eric Holder from day one. And this guy's history with the, the 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 terrorist from the Puerto Rican uh, group, et cetera, goes back years. But when you look at the 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 drumbeat now, really um, exemplified by the Vanity Fair article, what are they saying? Wow, these statements by Republicans and conservatives that this is outlandish behavior by the FBI. This is unprecedented. This is violence. This is are simply prompting violence and then they cite as as fbi director <laughs> did yesterday at a press release or 
in a press conference following a speech or Q&A that there's threats being made against the FBI and against, um, you know, executives and, and the magistrate judge who so-called signed this warrant. And this is awful. Several things to be said here. I have seen nothing among the commentariat on the right, on the conservative side, that calls for violence. Identifying a non-kinetic civil war as we're doing doesn't call for violence. Will there be violent people who espouse conservative or right-wing theories or hate the FBI or kind of the, the you know, the, the uh, we hate government of all type and especially these progressives? that are called for violence or threaten people? Of course there will be. We haven't seen any. Now again, juxtapose what we're hearing from the left right now about everything that we're talking about is somehow an incitement to violence and it threatens our democracy. As they've said about President Trump's speech on January 6th, where he said, march down peacefully, right? Juxtapose that with what happened after the decision by the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. The left has come out and called the Supreme Court illegitimate. They've actually said the decision is unconstitutional and illegal. It undermines democracy. It steals our freedom. It's violence against women. And not only that, the people go out and protest and one guy comes and tries to assassinate the author of the, of the opinion. Well, not the author, Kavanaugh. The author was Alito, but Kavanaugh. Oh, right, right. One of, Kavanaugh, one of, his, but one of the guys one of his, who signed yeah. off on it. And and there's violent and ongoing protest outside the Supreme Court justices' homes, which violates federal law. And no one is prosecuted. No one is, is filmed and then taken in for, for violating this law as January 6th protesters who might have put a foot on capital property and trespassed, but didn't go in and didn't engage in any violence, which was 98% of the people. You cannot look at this comparison. You cannot look at the way we treat in government and the bureaucracy, the FBI and the DOJ, these different, these similar contexts so dissimilarly and not understand what's going on. Now, it doesn't mean that government has to treat every wrongdoer or everybody exactly the same way. You'll never have that. There's always discretion. And there's always reasons to be harsher on one and less harsh on another. But when you have these kinds of extreme examples, I mean, Hillary Clinton should be in jail today. Anyone else other than Hillary Clinton on a plea deal would have spent some time, maybe not today, at least some time in jail, three months, six months, a year, something, or be on probation. She was, wet, by the way, and she's angry about it. Why? Because she expected Comey to just, and, and the, F, the DOJ just to bury it. She was angry that Comey knew he had to at least come out and explain what they were doing. It was so obviously corrupt that he had to come up with some justification. And everyone who looked at that justification that Comey gave in that public exoneration, meaning he condemned the behavior, but said it's not worth prosecuting. She didn't mean harm. 
everyone knows that that was a fraudulent, corrupt statement to cover his tracks. But even that angered Clinton, who wrote in a book that she lost the election because of that. That's how uh, that's the chutzpah, the audacity of the progressives. It's not just that you're to ignore reality. If you're not prepared to corrupt reality and and not just dismiss it, but corrupt it and simply say that the sun is not the sun, the stars are not the stars, the earth is not the earth, it is what we tell you it is, then you don't understand what they're doing here. And to me, Rob, you know, we, we can call on everyone to be active and they should. And I'll say right here, if you hear this podcast and you know the work we do, you should be supporting our work along with other good people. But it's more than that. And I will say right here and now that unless, unless someone comes along with the kind of God-given charisma and talent and ability to lead this country out of this non-kinetic civil war, invariably, this country will devolve into a kinetic civil war because it isn't going to simply go away peacefully. But if it continues on this vector, on this path, America and the Constitution will be destroyed without recourse to rehabilitate it. Because you you can't have the number of people that you have in this country, and it's at least a third, buy into the progressive corruption, who simply accept the narratives that they're being told, and then have a middle, because you have, let's say, a third of of people who still believe in the constitution, who still believe in what this country stands for, still believe in true liberty and the principles upon which this country was founded. But you have this middle ground that floats back and forth. But at some point in time, that middle ground is simply going to seed that middle. And we're going to end up in a country that elections are meaningless, literally meaningless. And by the way, uh, one final point, Rob. When when President Trump says the election was stolen and we have all the lawsuits, and I've delved into it the last week or so on what the evidence was of a stolen election, it's, it's simply um, poor thinking, poor strategy, and poor logic to argue that President Trump election was stolen because of machines or miscounting votes or the like. It is highly likely, although we don't have the evidence because the courts wouldn't allow us to get into it, that the mail-in ballots, the aggregating of ballots, the harvesting of ballots because of COVID and all the changes the individual states made to, as it were, accommodate COVID and the fact that people couldn't go to vote in person affected the election. But I don't have to go there because I don't have the evidence because we couldn't get it. We filed a couple of lawsuits just asking the courts to examine the evidence that we did have of miscounting and bad votes. But the reality is, is that the election was stolen. 
when President Obama and Rice and Clapper and Brennan and the Hillary Clinton campaign and their lawyers got together and agreed that they had to destroy President Trump's candidacy so that Hillary Clinton could take what she deserved and become president and preserve the Obama holder legacy and continue this march down the progressive path. And they decided to destroy his election by creating this whole Russia collusion thing. And then when that didn't work and the shock wore off, they turned all of that agency with their mainstream media and the educational arms, everything that they control into destroying President Trump's presidency. Did President Trump help them along? I would argue yes. But the reality is anyone, even a, 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 a rational, calm, cool, collected, politically correct president with President Trump's approach to changing the swamp of undoing the administrative state, the shadow government, anyone with that approach would have undergone the same attack and would have hit their presidency would have been destroyed just as well because these people were concerted in their efforts and it is a huge machinery. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but you can't look at what took place and not understand what took place when the media buried stories and then printed stories like the steel dossier as if it were truth. Brennan and Clapper, the, the, the most senior intelligence officers in the Obama administration during their last parts of their tenure during the candidacy, but especially afterward, were telling people that President Trump was a puppet of Putin and the Russian government. And it turns out that President Trump was a lot harder on Russia and Putin than Obama ever was. This The election was stolen back in the Obama Holder administration during the campaign and the ongoing efforts. The election was simply an afterthought. There's no way in the world that anyone could have been elected after what they did to President Trump. That's my theory. Yeah. And and but look, for example, President Trump, other than Joe Biden on that uh, last election, got more. He got more votes than he got his his first time when he won president. And he got the most votes any president had received, except for Biden got the most votes in the history of any presidential candidate. And he is easily the weakest presidential candidate in my entire lifetime and is easily the worst president I think we'll see in the history of this country. And, and to say that there wasn't something nefarious going on there. And I, you know, one of the problems, and I just want to talk about this election stolen thing that I got a few more points and then we, we're going to have to wrap it up. We're getting uh, close to our end time here on the, uh, you know, on the election. And I got involved in election litigation. Um, I was asked to jump in only because they didn't have lawyers to, to do it. Surprisingly, I was kind of shocked that Republican Party was not prepared for this. The Democrats were very well prepared for this. All the big, you know, white shoe law firms jump on the jump on their side um, in a heartbeat. Uh, but there's a, you you have a very, very short window to litigate election um, election issues because they have this uh, in, in federal law in particular, they have this safe harbor provision, right? The election was like November 6th and all the litigation had to be done by like December 8th or something like that, which is, uh, which is an impossibility. It's almost, it's almost absurd that you could even, you know, be held to that standard 
when we filed our petition for extraordinary writ to the Michigan Supreme Court, we had 40 some odd affidavits of recipient witnesses who observed what what appeared to be, you know, malfeasance that was going on in the in the, the balloting and the counting and particularly with these absentee ballots. Trump only lost by 150 some odd thousand votes in Michigan, yet there were over three million absentee ballots that came in. We later learned that the guidance that the Secretary of State, a left-wing progressive, gave to the um, gave to all the clerks in terms of how they should treat these absentee ballots was illegal. But that wasn't decided until the following, even though that lawsuit was filed in October, that decision didn't come down until October. I mean, excuse me, until the following March. It was issued, filed in October, didn't come down the following March. So that guidance with 3 million absentee ballots that a large number of those could have been invalid and should have been thrown out, but they were counted. But that doesn't, but the election's already over. There's nothing you can, there's nothing you can do about it. And all we were asking for, and boy, we were fought tooth and nail by the Michigan in our, in our petition for extraordinary writ to the Michigan Supreme Court was just have an independent objective forensic examination of the, uh, of the election. That never happened. Right. And that's why when I even hear, you know, uh, Bill Barr, who was, you know, and I can't stand any of these attorney generals. They let Trump down big time, in my view. Bill Barr and, and one of them. Oh, we didn't have any, you know, there was no evidence that there was any, you know, wrongdoing in the election. Really, when where did the FBI investigate? Did you send out your army of FBI agents like you like the uh, you know, Attorney General Merrick Garland did for the January 6th thing? No. What was what was the serious investigation you did to come to that conclusion? I can tell you what it was. It wasn't. You had no investigation. But, you know, be that as as it may, as uh, as David said, this this, you know, corrupting of the electoral process started well before the election took place. And we were they were using the arm of the state um, to get FISA warrants. And this is a, one of the points I want to bring in with the with the uh, uh, the the raid on the Trump uh, on the Trump's home. And this is his home. Right. We're not talking about going into an office building. This was his home, his castle. And it literally was a castle. Beautiful home, no doubt. But he uh, you know, this, I was like, oh, it was a it was a it was a warrant that was authorized by a by a U.S. magistrate judge. Big deal. You know what? The FISA judges also signed off on those FISA warrants. Right. And, and we come to find out the information that was presented to these FISA judge were, judges were false. It was false. There was false information given under oath to the FISA judges and the FISA judges, I mean, uh, in terms of their their particularity to issue a warrant is far more than just, you know, your standard search warrant that you'd bring to a U.S. magistrate, uh, a U.S. magistrate judge. And yet even there, they issued those warrants. Right. Because and, what DOJ happened lawyer, and the DOJ lawyer who committed that perjury yeah. under oath got a slap on the wrist. Exactly. Slap on the wrist. And so to say that, well, you know, this was saying because I'm hearing this all on the left in the, you know, the judge authorized. Give me a break. You know, I, I was a, I, I was assistant U.S. attorney for several years. And I was still on active duty in the Marine Corps. And and we, you know, grand juries only need to find probable cause to go forward to with an indictment. And there's the old saying, you can indict a ham sandwich. You can probable cause a very low threshold. And the judge, he gets issued a uh, he, an, a warrant and the affidavits. The my understanding is the warrant itself wasn't put under seal, but the affidavits are under seal. And there's a lot of pressure right now on the judge to release those. And he asked for the opposing counsel to chime in on whether he should or should not release these affidavits. But if those affidavits don't lay out, you know, all the facts and they should lay out all the facts, the fact that they were negotiating, working with Trump, he agreed to turn them over. You think all of that information was in the affidavit? Not a chance. So the fact that a he judge signed- He installed a special lock that they had asked for? At their request. 
Yeah, and so they have this, you know, somebody that goes into this to crack the safe. I mean, it's just so the idea that somehow a judge and and bear in mind the judges are part of the same cabal, you know, just you know the this uh, magistrate judges aren't aren't appointed political appointees. They are hired, but they're hired by the judges that are appointed there to serve a certain uh, a certain term. But probable cause is a super low threshold. And if the and I'd love to see you know I want to see those affidavits. And if there's lies in those affidavits, you think any of those agents? Will be uh, prosecuted for you know obstruction of justice, uh, obstruction of justice, violating the civil rights of the uh, of the president, contempt of court. Yeah, I'll, I'll hold my breath on that one. Any of that stuff will come out. Which any one of those things is far worse than. Um, oh, he has some documents that uh, the archives would like to get back, which he said he'd be willing to give them back. I mean, this we are living in a banana republic, the way this is going. And one last point. I know, David, we are in a non-kinetic civil war only for this reason. The conservatives, and I continue to urge conservatives to still approach it this way, have had have shown incredible restraint. We're not the ones that are engaging in violence. There is a there's a kinetic civil war going on by Antifa, by BLM. You've got agents showing up with weapons, you know, ready to go. The conser- wish the conservatives are still the way in the, the way we should be we want to have a civilized society and we're fight trying to fight against this in a very civil civil way but don't tell me that there isn't violence but all the violence is on the left and now they're you know they they'll find some website by some you know white supremacist marginalized group that's you know that's no way connected at all to the republican party or any you know legitimate mainstream conservatives you know say oh look you know somebody made a comment on social media that was uh um, you know, that was calling for violence. Well, what about Chuck Schumer? Do you remember that speech he gave about Gorsuch? You know, the, the, you're opening up the, you know, the gates of the whirlwind will come against you or whatever. I forget the exact wording, but, and, and Maxine Waters, who's calling, I mean, these people call for violence against Trump supporters. Antifa engages in violence. Black Lives Matter engages in violence. You have these really corrupt FBI agents showing up with weapons to uh, to really violate the civil rights of a uh, of a former president of the United States. And if anyone's showing const- restraint, it's the conservatives, because, you know what, we believe in the rule of law and we're going to continue to along that path. We will ultimately prevail because God's on our side. Bottom line, God's on our side. Right. This thing, this might get ugly as, you know, uglier as we're going along. But, uh, you know, this these. The left is demonic. I just, I, there's no other way you can rationalize any of this than, than there's, there's this evil force that's operating on that side of the, uh, on that side of the aisle. And, uh, you know, we, we have to do all we can politically, but quite frankly, too, and I know Dave and I were both very faithful men, got to pray and fast for this country, right? That's, we've, we've got to do what we can within our power, raise our children, you know, be good citizens, to you know, we I want to you know work within within the system that our founding fathers created, which is the best system known to man. And we got to fight these demonic powers. This is a spiritual battle, and and I know I'm I'm personally going to be be fighting this battle. In addition to the litigation and the the work that we're doing, is through praying and fasting for this country because it's we need it. This is going this is is going a bad way. And to reemphasize time and time again, David and either David or I ever ever would advocate any type of violence right we want people to do things the right way because god's on our side the law is on our side the constitution is on our side and we i 
we just got to, we have to defend it to the, to the very, to the very end, but so, pray and fast on my last, uh, my last comments. Let me, let me just say this, Rob, and I, I think those are heartfelt and, and properly spoken words. Um, you know, you have to have trust in God and that's what Rob is saying. And um, there, there really is no excuse for violence unless it's self-defense. But the violence that um, the left is engaged in and what they're accusing the right, or even when you have these nutcases on the right side or who claim to be right or conservative who engage in violence are simply wrong. That's not going to get us anywhere but into destruction. But I just want to underscore something. You know, I'm an Orthodox Jewish guy, and I never served in the military. Um, by the time I was drafted, the Vietnam War was ending, and that was that was it. But I didn't volunteer. So I don't have a lot of room to speak in the way that Rob just spoke. But here you're looking, my colleague, you're looking at a man who was not just a, a lawyer in the Marine. He was a combat Marine officer. His father was a, a Marine. His brothers were Marines. I mean, this is a family that's ensconced, that's permeated with the willingness, not just to talk about how great this country is and not just to talk about patriotism, which is what I do, but to put their lives on the line and their families, right? Because when a Marine goes off to war and he leaves behind his wife and young children, as Rob did, and his many other Marines and, and soldiers do um, almost every day, that's engaging in the highest level of self-sacrifice that a man or a woman can engage in. And that kind of commitment that when you when you hear the the emotion, when you hear the 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 words spoken by Rob today and by others of that type, you understand how far we've come. I mean, this is, we're at the precipice and you have to just recognize that we're inches from that edge. And it, 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 this is a watershed moment in history. And um, as I've told my son, when he saw the raid and in shock, I told him, look, it, it will not surprise me if, if when President Trump announces his candidacy, which I suppose he's going to do, or if they find out before that he isn't frog, mar frog marched as a perp walk in chains under arrest in order to destroy that effort. It would not surprise me. That's how far we've come. Well, that's, that's all the time we have today for this podcast. <laughs> Certainly, uh, the battle is going to continue beyond us just talking about it here um, for the last hour. Uh, we look forward to our next discussion. We thank all of you for joining us. As you know, our video casts are posted on our Rumble channel. We officially dumped YouTube and uh, Facebook, who are all part of this whole left-wing uh, attack on our on our freedoms. In our, our podcasts, um, we put them up on our SS feed, and they show up on Spotify, Stitcher, and perhaps other for platforms that you listen to uh, podcasts and, and where the sensors are allowing them to be played. If you like the content, please, uh, please follow us and, and please spread the word. Um, thank you again. And may God uh, truly bless you and our country. 
and and certainly continue to uh to bless it all that we do. Amen.